Welcome to the X-Rings Podcast here at the Seattle Times. I'm Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. I am your host of this weekly to, I don't know, every 10 days to whenever I feel like it to whenever it's suggested to me podcast about the Mariners, baseball, and whatever other topics we might cover. It is early Monday morning, um, technically 12.51 a.m. as I record this right now. I'm got a flight at 8 a.m. so I do this weird thing where I stay up all night. I took a nap earlier and then stay up all night and then just, I don't know, get ready to go. Weird flight anxiety. You would think after covering this beat for this long that I wouldn't get that, but some things just never go away. So we'll go through this. We'll do a few. I'll I'll talk a little bit here first. We also had Larry Stone um, on this show this week. He's our usual guest. Uh, I talked with Larry a few hours ago, just kind of wrapping up what was an awful homestand. You know, it started off well with a uh, a series win over the A's and then just fell apart against the White Sox. The Mariners didn't hit. Uh, Their pitching got shelled. They didn't play very well in the field. Um, and, And really, they're going into the single toughest road trip thus far of the season three games in Washington, D.C. against the Nationals, who will lead the NL East, three games at Fenway Park, no pitcher's paradise for a team without a bunch of starting pitchers, against the Red Sox, who you know haven't played as well as I think a lot of people expected, but are still really good, and then two games against the Rockies, who are leading the NL West at Coors Field. Definitely not a pitcher's friendly place. So Larry and I discussed that upcoming road trip, uh, we discussed what we saw later this or earlier this week, uh, particularly the last few days against the White Sox, some possible roster moves, things of that nature. Um, basically, also want to quickly thank um, my boss, my bosses, Paul Paul Barrett, the sports editor and assistant sports editor Ed Guzman, who's my direct boss, uh, and then also Jason Jinks and Bob Condota. Um, they helped me out uh, kind of tough week for me um last week when i was we were on the road trip uh kind of found out that my yellow lab named yellow dog who lives with my parents wasn't doing so well he's 13 years old so this was something that was kind of expected but uh just wasn't really doing well back legs weren't working uh, having a hard time standing up and, and it was just kind of that time that you know you know that to do the humane thing um, you have to kind of let the dog go, and so I, they, Bob and Jason graciously offered to cover the games during the Oakland series. My bosses approved it, and I was able to fly back home, uh, be with my mom and dad, who've gotten really attached to my dog since they take care of him. Since I started, you know, covering the Mariners and traveling, I couldn't really keep a dog here in Tacoma, so I, uh, I went back. We had to put the dog down. It was, it was awful. There's no no way to describe it other than awful. Yes, it's humane. Yes, it was the right thing to do, and, and, and we probably treat pets better than we do people in that regard, but it was awful, and anybody who's ever had to do that, uh, I have your sympathy, and you know how difficult it was. So big thanks to those guys for allowing me to do that. You know, it wasn't enjoyable, but I'm happy I was able to go. Actually, it was kind of fun. I, You know, the nights, uh, Wednesday night and Thursday night, I watched the Mariners games with my parents sitting on the couch in Haver, Montana. And my mom likes to watch it, and my dad's a baseball guy, so it was kind of fun watching it. I, people talk about the broadcast, Dave Sims, whatever, uh, whether they like it or not. I still have ADD, so I still didn't hear anything they say. Uh, 
mean, I, I mean, I hear it, but it just doesn't really register for me. So it was kind of enjoyable just watching games and, and, and not really having to analyze it. But, you know, I was happy to get back and get back to my normal life of, of being a beat writer and, and kind of focusing on something else because it wasn't exactly enjoyable. Um, as far as the upcoming coverage goes, I'll be on the road trip, the whole thing. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, Larry and I will talk about it, but I've never been to Nats Park. So I'm excited to see that. And, you know, I'm excited to see the Nats. They're a good team. You to see Bryce Harper. I remember a few years ago when the Nats came to Seattle and they just hit a ton of home runs off of Felix Hernandez. I want to say five, maybe six in a game. I'd have to look that up. But, you know, they've got a really good team. So it's it's a place you get to go. I'm, uh, you know, as far as this, you know, just thoughts about the team right now. Uh, and, and Larry and I will discuss this, but there'll be some changes again with the roster. There were today. There'll be more coming up. Um, you know, I wrote on Sunday for the Sunday paper about all the injuries and, and just kind of listing them and kind of how they're they're all different. And there isn't any one person to blame. It's just this karmic mix of all these things that could go wrong did at one time. I will say this though. I mean you look at the starting rotation that Jerry DePoto put together, there were question marks about every player. And of all five of those guys, every one of them has had some injury history. Well, all pitchers have injury history, but um, Iwakuma, Drew Smiley, and James Paxson have had multiple stints on the disabled list for any myriad of reasons. Giovanni Gallardo actually missed quite a bit of last year. He's been the healthy one. And then Felix Hernandez, I think at age 31, we're starting to see the wear and tear. And also just kind of, you know, when you don't, condition as expected this is what happens and and yes i know about iron glenn and all the stuff that felix did in the offseason and it was important that he did that but you know as raul abanez once said you can't start preparing for 39 at age 38 and a half you got to do it it's got to be consistent it's got to come from a long time before that and i think you know that's a product maybe a little bit of what we're seeing with felix um as far as timelines on those guys go Felix, I don't expect him back until about mid-June. Uh, same with Iwakuma, maybe end of June for Iwakuma. Um, Drew Smiley's actually playing catch, which is a big kind of step forward. But again, to really think that he'll be back before maybe even the All-Star break might be a little optimistic. And then James Paxton is going to go out on a rehab assignment on Friday in scenic Little Rock, Arkansas, with with the Arkansas Travelers, he'll throw about 65 pitches. If all goes well, and with the Mariners, you never know. If all goes well, he will make the he will start the homestand opener against the Rockies. They have that weird two and two thing uh, against the Rockies on May 31st at Safeco Field. So that's kind of your injury update there. Uh, we'll, I guess we can go through the other ones. Robinson Cano will be activated on Tuesday when we get to DC. Now, they're already there right now, but they'll they'll activate him on Tuesday. I think the corresponding roster move will be uh, Daniel Vogelbach will will be sent down, um, and then Mitch Haniger uh, worked out again today. He had that little bit of a minor setback of a couple days um, with the oblique strain, uh, but he worked out. He did full workout yesterday. Worked out again today. He will go on a rehab assignment. I think Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday he'll go out. I'm not certain where they were still determining it. I know Tacoma is in town for a few days. 
Um, and actually, look, the weather looks to be good, so maybe he'll stay here. There was also some talk that he would go to Modesto uh, and go play there. Um, he's from kind of that area a little bit, so maybe that's a reason why he goes there. I'm not certain. They're still trying to figure all these things out. So that's your, your injury. Oh, and then Danny Valencia, who um, missed today's game, uh, last two games with a with a sore wrist that he hurt sliding into third in the one hit they got the other night on Friday night. Um, he had an MRI today. It revealed no broken broken bones. So I think the the plan is that maybe he can play by Wednesday. They're hoping Tuesday, but by Wednesday he'd be back in the lineup. So um, those are your. Yeah, we need a they need a, we need a sponsor for the injury updates like the State Farm injury updates for this game for the Mariners. Uh, so I think that's pretty much it, at least the most notable ones. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, excuses or not, the Mariners just aren't playing very well. And and they lost games when they, were, when they had some of the healthy guys back. So, you know, the excuses only go so far. But I think what you're seeing right now is just kind of the lack of talent because of all these guys injured starting to catch up with them. You have to play well. You have to play at a high level to win games and the Mariners right now aren't playing at that high of a level and that's why they're losing games and losing games to teams that aren't any better than they are by any means and, and it's, it's hard to win a, a game on any given night I mean even the worst team in baseball is going to win 60 some games I mean that's how it is you know it, it, I'm trying to think who's really bad this year oh the Padres I mean they're they're going to win 60 games and and so you know, th there are nights where they, they just play better than you do. But the Mariners are, are really kind of pushing themselves into a territory where they're going to have trouble digging themselves out. Now, three times last year I thought that the Mariners were done. Right about this time last year, I think once again in July, then again in August, and each time they kind of found their way out. Uh, I don't know if that this team is capable of doing that. We'll see. But um, it should be interesting, this road trip, it's eight very difficult games, and they're right now 20 and 25. You know, they could be seven or eight, nine games under 500 after this road trip, and and that could really be detrimental to any hopes that they have of the postseason. And then it could force Jerry DePoto to make some hard decisions about some of these guys that are going to be free agents next year, like uh, Gerard Dyson, Danny Valencia, Giovanni Gallardo, some of those guys. Uh, trying to move on from them. So that's some quick thoughts. Uh, we'll get into the podcast right now. And thanks again for listening. All right. Welcome in Larry Stone to the Extra Innings Podcast. We are trying to be better uh, technologically, Larry. I gave Larry a set of iPhone headphones that I got for free from uh, somebody trying to sell us something at the office, and Larry's used those. We are using Skype. He's got a Skype login that I created that is sunset in for him. So, Larry, let let everybody hear how you sound right now. Well, here I am. How do I sound? I have no idea. <laughs> if you could, <laughs> I sound normal, but how do I sound on your end? I, I think you sound a lot better. It, it supposedly it'll be a little bit. Um, it, it won't be as quiet. I won't have that guy complaining to me, 
check your levels. Like if I knew how to check the levels, I would have <laughs> done that. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm not an yeah. engineer. You know, we became his, sports writers for for a reason. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm not good at math and other things. So, um, no science. Uh, relationships, um, you know, all these good things. So, um, I guess Larry, what's let's talk about the uh, homestand and the last couple of games. I know it's uh, kicking, kicking a pile of horse bones. You're not even beating a dead horse. You're just kicking at the bones of it. You know, the dust. Um, but what'd you think? Well, I, I yesterday I came over, as you, as you know from the Sounders game after I wrote my column, and. But by the time, between the time I walked in and set my computer down and then went back and got a quick, like, loaded up on some food and came came back, it went from zero to zero. And then I sat down and it was four to nothing. It was like two minutes. And I wasn't even sure what had happened in the first inning. And it, went, it just went downhill from there. Uh, you know, it's I think it's everything that's the accumulation of all their problems sort of coming home to roost. You could see it coming. They've been fighting this off and sort of defying uh, reality uh, with this pitching staff and these injuries. And you knew it was going to catch up to them sometime, and it catch it caught up to them with a vengeance these last couple of games. But uh, you know, they're this is a danger point. This is the the true crisis point of their season here. They're they're five under. They're off on a on a really hard road trip. They're undermanned. Uh, they're probably demoralized after getting. You know their butts handed to them the last two two days. So I mean they got to muster. They got they got to they got to emulate the Boston Celtics and and, we, and do something when no one expects them to. And you know dig deep and muster some sort of uh, you know fight right now because otherwise the season's going to slip away from them. Yeah, the, the, let's talk about the Saturday. Well, I mean. The, the the games against the White Sox. I, I mean, that's a bad White Sox team. It's not as bad as I think it's shown. I mean, but we'll go with Saturday. Friday, I was pretty much a zombie. Um, but Saturday, um, you know, Gallardo goes out and he was awful. He wasn't good. He walks the first guy. But and, and this is weird. If Mike Freeman fields that ball instead of you know dancing on top of it and turns a double play, I mean. You're not down for nothing, you know. You might give up a run. Maybe Jose Abreu gets a double, or maybe they hit a home run, or whatever. But you're not you're not down for nothing before you even have an out. And you know that was huge. I mean, something like that. I mean, it's weird to say that. And and Gallardo was not sharp. But you know, you, you get up, you make a play like that, and then it changes your fortunes a little bit. And and it just didn't happen. And and I was just like. I, I this team isn't good enough to make mistakes like that and expect to win. I mean, they just aren't. And, and I think we saw that a little bit this in the last few days, especially without Robinson Cano. They're just not good enough to play poorly and expect to win games. No, they're not. And, you know, you can almost say the same thing today with Heston. Uh, you know, he put himself in a bad position with all those walks, but two swinging bunts. Uh, you know, a two-run first inning becomes a five-run first inning, I think it was. And then it just snowballed from there. But, I mean, look, they got four of their starters out of the rotation. They've got a patchwork bullpen. They've got Cano and Haniger and now Valencia out of the starting lineup, plus their opening day catchers in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, what? It, it, this is this is what you get when that happens. Eventually, you know, 
you can put up a good fight for a while, but it, it's it's almost futile. They they got to get their guys back, uh, and because you know if you keep throwing Tacoma pitchers out there, you know some of them. Bergman had a great start, and and Gavilio had a good start, and uh, but it's it's just just going to catch up to you. And you're right, they're just not good enough. And right now, you know. <laughs> They're they're not hitting either. No, uh, they got they got one hit on Friday night. Shut out yesterday, or was it? I can't even remember now. Did they or, did, did they get shut out on Saturday, or did they get one run? They got one run in all three one games. One run. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's just uh, that's not going to cut it. And uh, I, you, we we saw some signs of that also on the last road trip that the hitting kind of had slowed down after after the the offense had carried them. I mean, they got a very good offensive team when they're at full strength, but. Uh, they're not at full strength right now, so I mean it's uh, it's pretty bleak. Yeah, I it, it, it I mean we've said it before, but it, the it's weird. But the lineup is different. The team is just different when Cano's in there. Lengthens yeah. it. I mean he just is such a presence, and and his absence in these games has been noticeable. I mean he is their best hitter. I mean I know Nelson Cruz has great numbers. He is their best hitter. Also. Ben Gamble and Guillermo Heredia have been hit on the head of with a hammer of regression a little bit as well, <laughs> and, and and that hurts them because that's and Taylor Motter too, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean that's you know you were getting a lot of contributions from those guys when you were putting up all those runs on the last homestand and you know even in Philadelphia, you know that's cooled down a little bit and then it gets noticeable. Yeah, now they're going to go to the National League and. Uh, uh, I, I assume Cruz is going to sit down, so you get Cano back, and and Cruz is going to have to come off the bench for for a couple of days. So, uh, you know, you're still not going to be at the the optimal strength of of the guys they they have on the roster now. And uh, you know, I wasn't out there today. What uh, what's the story with Valencia? Is he uh, is he a DL candidate, or do they think he's going to come back? It doesn't sound like he's a DL candidate. It sounds like he'll be okay, but. Um... Yeah, so and they're going to try and play Cruz uh, in the outfield. He says he's healthy enough, so they're going to try and play him in the outfield on Tuesday when they get to D.C. Okay. Um, any positives from the homestand that you've seen? Uh, I guess the <laughs> – let me think here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they did win the series against Oakland, Bergman – uh, that was on this homestand, wasn't it? The, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wasn't around. Bergman had a great start, and uh, you know they're going to need guys like him to come through. Uh, you know, uh, Heredia. You know, you see the regression is hitting him, but I'm I'm still impressed with the guy. Uh, I think he's uh, he's earning you know playing time even when Hanniger does get back. Uh, you know, they do need to. I, I, this is probably on your list, but they need to get Zunino back here. Uh, I've seen enough uh, Tuffy go switch. He's a he's a nice guy, tries hard and all that, but he's he's just not. You know, he got a hit today, but uh, you, you just can't go with catching like that. And at least the you know, the offense from the catching spot, and at least Zunino can run into one. And he's hitting, he's hot in Tacoma, so I'd be very surprised if we didn't see him behind the plate on Tuesday. What do you think about that? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. The only positive, I, probably the big, <laughs> we'll get to it. We got to, Sorry, the posi- I changed the subject No, there. that's all right. We, we do that all the time. The positive, I, I guess the biggest positive was the two innings from Diaz the other day. I thought it looked yeah, different. Yeah, I forgot about that. I thought it looked different. I thought he, um, you know, slowed down his mechanics. 
looked more deliberate, was very conscious of getting that leg up, uh, kind of, you know, setting his hips and getting down the hill. I thought that was very noticeable. A couple of times he stepped away. And, you know, if they can get him back, and I think they'll give him maybe one more low leverage outing, and if he looks like that again, they'll move him back into the closer spot. And if you do that, then it gets a little bit better. I mean, I just – going closer by committee is not ideal, and it's even less ideal for the Mariners because you've got guys that have bad kind of split numbers. You know, Zepchinski struggles against righties. Ciszek struggles against lefties. Zick is probably their most all-around candidate, and he's got the least amount of experience. You know, and it's just – you know, and you saw the other night, in that situation where he hits the leadoff guy and causes all of his own problems. But I do think that was probably the one thing that I, I took away from this was that that uh, Edwin Diaz is starting to look a little bit better. I mean, like, you know, the, the outing from Bergman was nice and, it, and all this, but these are four basically AAA guys, and, and I don't even know who they're going to start the rest of the week, you know, because they sent Chase DeYoung down. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess the other positive would be seeing James Paxton throw off a bullpen and, you know, go out on a rehab and Hanneker getting close to. So, I mean, those two, those are the only positives of the whole time home. I mean, you won some games against Oakland, which you should have done, but you should have, you, you can't lose three or four to the White Sox. You just can't. No. I'd throw C-Sheck, you know, easing his way back in, and I guess he looked a little better today. Uh, you know, you you got to get him back to the point where, you know, he can be an eighth-inning guy to set up Diaz when he gets back into closing. And and get that power, those power arms going at the back of the end of the bullpen, the way you drew it up, but have yet to really have it with Zick and Cishek and uh, and Diaz. So I guess getting him in a in a few games um, would also qualify as a positive. But you know, there was also some setbacks too on the injury front. You know, you know Hanniger was was progressing, and then they had to back him off. Felix. Doesn't sound like he's progressing much at all. Iwakuma's a long way away. So, you know, the reinforcements for the pitching, you're going to get Paxton back, presumably, but who knows? He's got to, you know, he hasn't really cut it loose yet in a game action. So who's to say that he's that he's going to remain on schedule? But even if they get Paxton back, uh, that they're, they're still going to be short for, for quite a while because Felix and Iwakuma aren't anywhere near uh, ready to be coming back. Not to jump back off track, but... Um... And you're just a ray of sunshine with that little prognosis there of all that. I'm sure people are a little, dang. Uh, we, we were talking about earlier, what the hell was, and, and I, look, I, I've gotten chastised about being overly critical of Daniel Vogelbach and his defense. But what the hell was going on on that check swing to first base? I mean, they're in a shift to the right side, to the left side. The second base yeah. is way over. Vogelbach runs to first base on a ball that he has to field. I, I, I yeah, just, there, there's like no court awareness, or I guess use a basketball term. Yeah, no, I mean uh, my <laughs> my son and I had that exact conversation as we were watching it on our couch this morning. It was like, what, what the heck was that? You've got to go after that ball. I mean, you had the pitcher practically, you know, running to field it uh, where the where the first baseman should have been. He, he you know, if, if Vogelback, uh, you know, un anchors himself from first base and gets it then uh heston could have could have you know covered and taken the throw like you do pfps for uh yeah. you know every day in spring training it was uh, uh you know textbook but but he i mean his first start back and his first inning the first defensive play he botches 
Yeah. So that made it, uh, and that's... then he boxed another one, and it looked really bad. Like, yeah, look, the kid just can't. We've talked about it. He can't slow the game down, and that's just uh, that's just a lack of understanding of the position. And you know, when you make a mistake like that, and then it's already swirling. You know, every that's snowballing in that first inning. That's the that's when teammates start looking at you a little bit sideways about what what are you doing out here because that's that's not being kind of mentally in it or not understanding, you know I mean guys make mistakes all the time and they do I mean Robinson Cano made plenty of dumb base running mistakes but that something like that's glaring I mean Heston wasn't running off the mound like Vogelbach looked at Heston like as he was running off the mound he was running to cover first he wasn't supposed to be you know running to go get the ball but. No, it's it's just another like we talked about another mistake. Uh, also, walking three guys to start the game probably not a good idea. But that was, I look, what, what, the the Mariners are going to make wholesale roster moves uh, on the off day. They made, I mean, they basically notified some guys. But um, Vogelbach, who was up for the one game, uh, I don't think he'll go. From what it sounds like, he'll go back to Tacoma. He played in the one game. Valencia, they think will be able to play at least by Wednesday, so they'll probably play Taylor Moderate first on on. When Mon- or on Tuesday, Robinson Cano has there has to be a roster spot for Robinson Cano. Michael Freeman already went down, so you know Vogelbach Cano will take Vogelbach's spot on the roster. Chris Heston will go down because they burned him, uh, and, and you know he was not very good. So though I don't know what reliever they'll go, and and Zanino is going to come up from from our sources. Um, it was time. I mean he's hit three home runs in two games, and you know like we've talked about it. <laughs> The, the the production the offensive production was bad. Look, Tuffy Ghostwitch can catch, and he does. He's a better receiver than Carlos Ruiz, but neither of them can hit right now. I, I guess Ruiz had the one double, uh, but you got to get Zanino back. And it's weird to say that. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know that he's going to be a savior. But as we've said before, with the amount of power he has, there's at least the potential for an extra base hit, which is something we didn't have before. So, um, so those are I think the moves. Uh, and, Trying to think, what do we say? Vogelbach, Heston, Heston. Uh, uh, Tuffy, yeah, and Overton was going back anyways, and um, and Freeman is going back. So, you know, so that's the, five. Or no, Freeman's already back. Right? Yeah, he was. He sent out today. So yeah, so that's four four bodies out, and the new ones are Cano, uh, Cano, Zanino, Zanino. And a couple um, arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, and it's it's just recycled arms. I mean, it'll, Emilio Pagan or somebody that's on the forty man, Rob Whalen. You know, it's recycled arms. But you got to have them. You, you know, you're going into National League Park, so. Uh, you know, Andrew Moore had another fairly decent start yesterday. Seven innings. Um, you know, is it, is it time now? I mean, is he going to be the next guy to get a shot at it? Do you think? I mean, he's the guy. Uh, you, there's the danger of. Of bringing a guy like him up too early, and he gets ripped, and it 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 stunts his confidence and everything. But you know he's he's a guy that uh, they they have high hopes for. He's not just a he's not just minor league fodder or uh, you know a, a utility arm like some of the guys they've been bringing up. So at some point, uh, it, as long as these pitchers are out, I, I, I got to think we're going to see Andrew Moore up here, don't you? Yeah, I think he's going to make at least one more start with Tacoma and then maybe bring him back. I, I don't know that it's ideal bringing him up to pitch him in Fenway Park in his debut or, God forbid, Coors Field. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I, at this point, why not? I mean, you at least know the kid's going to throw strikes. And, and 
you know, I don't know what the deal is with Chris Heston Day. He couldn't spot a sinker. That's not like him. You know, it's, he's not going to wow you, but usually the guy will throw strikes, and he just hasn't been very good this year. So at some point, they have to look at him. Uh, they'd have to make a 40-man roster move, but, you know, hey, at this point, you can do that. I, it, you know, they're not reinforcements. I had somebody say today, oh, the Mariners need to go out and buy a pitcher from a team. And I'm like, that's not usually how that works. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not exactly. Yeah, people to say, go get a pitcher, but it's not quite that easy. I mean, uh, they, we've talked about this before. They, you, you know, it's still May. You're going to get held up by other teams because they're not ready to throw in the towel. And so you're going to have to pay for them to, 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 to give up somebody that's good. And Mirrors don't have the farm system depth to, to make a, a good offer anyway. So. Yeah. Do you really want to give up Tyler O'Neill or Kyle Lewis for somebody that you didn't really want in the first place? I mean, that's that. That's just that's a Bavese type of move. You know, you just don't do that right now. I mean, if if it doesn't work, if it, if the season goes in the tank, and, but you keep these guys, then maybe that's what it is. But you know, and you call it bad luck or whatever with all these guys coming back for next year. But I, I just don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, you know, and I was looking at the standings today, and, you know, as you pointed out in your story for today's paper, they got the sec, you know, there's only two teams that have worse records than them in the American League, but then I looked at the wild card standings. They're like only five out, aren't they? Where They were three and a half out. Yeah. That that doesn't count today's action, so maybe it's four and a half now, but still, that's one stretch of winning eight out of ten, and you're, you know, suddenly you're right there, so... You know, as hopeless as it looks right now and as, uh, you know, pessimistic as we've sounded and everything, they're one hot stretch away still from being in the wild card race. Um, but that's presuming that they don't lose eight out of ten right now or, you know, uh, from this point forward and suddenly fall nine games out in the wild card. And then suddenly you're 14 games out of fir- your division and nine out of the wild card. And, and it's not even the all-star break. So. Uh, that's why I say that this stretch is so important, and it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, each these are all tough series with Boston, Coors, and uh, and Washington, and the Nationals. You know, the Nationals had lost four in a row, and they won today. But they're 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 probably the best team in baseball, in my opinion. I mean, they've got it all. They've got power. They've got speed. They've got. Well, they don't have it all. They don't have a bullpen. Oh, their their bullpen is atrocious. Yeah, but they're going to get somebody. They they're going to get uh, probably sooner rather than later. Now they're a team that could justify giving up a, a top prospect to get a to fill it to fill a deficiency because this is a World Series caliber team, and you and uh, you know they need a closer. So if I were them, I would I would do whatever it took because uh, you know they're they've shown that. That they they could win it all. They they they've been they they're running away with their division. They they've been in the playoffs the last few years and haven't advanced. Um, so, you know, unlike the Mariners, I think it, it, it's you, that they can make the case that that they should do it now and give up whatever it takes. All right, let's talk about the road trip. They got to start. Uh, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. Um, they, Tuesday, they have a three-game set against the Nationals, who are 26 and 17 on the season. They got three at these Nationals Park, which I've never been to. I heard it's not great, but I'm excited because I'm going to cross that one off my list. That would leave only uh, Miller Park and City Field as the places I haven't been to. And then um, you go up for three at Scenic Fenway. 
And uh, I will tell a funny story about the clubhouses in Fenway. I, I don't even know if you might have been there for that one. Um, and then basically it's a four-game series, two at Coors Field and two at Safeco coming back on that against a Rockies team that right now has the second-best record in baseball at 28-17, and 17, which I didn't really expect coming into the season. Or 30-17, and 17, right? No, I'm looking at the standings right now. 28-17. Oh, 28-17. Okay, I thought yeah. you said 20-17. No, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, you could see in the, the, they were the team. Every year there's a chic pick in spring training to break out, and a lot of people made it the uh, the Rockies this year. You could see you could see that they, you know, they've developed some young pitching, and their their offense is always really good, but it seems to be particularly good right now you know mark reynolds is yeah you know he's he's got like 38 rbis or something like that uh and nolan arenado is is one of the best players in baseball that people don't realize how good he is uh and they've got strength up and down the lineup but the big key for them is they finally have um they finally have starting pitching and uh it's just unfortunate as i mentioned last week that this they they changed the Mariners changed their uh, their rival this year and so instead of getting the 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 walkover Patsy Padres they get the four games with the Rockies and those aren't going to be easy yeah um, and, and I miss Tinfish <laughs> yeah that too not only that uh, yeah. the beaches and, and the uh, gas lamp and yeah, the scenery the, that is the <laughs> gas lamp I uh, know that just doesn't seem fair no but. Uh, you know, I have covered a game at, uh, at the Nationals Park. It's a, it's, it's. I don't think it's a great ballpark, but I, I love the view. You can see the Capitol uh, over the outfield wall. I love that. Um, you know, the park to be is sort of ho, ho hum, uh, but the the experience is pretty cool. Wasn't that when Brandon League had a meltdown there? Wait, which one? Which which? Yeah, but meltdown? wasn't that part of like the three in a row or something that I, he blew? I think it was, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I even covered a few games at RFK Stadium when the Mariners, the first time they played uh, um, interleague play against the Nationals, right after before they built the new ballpark. That was, that was not a great uh, baseball experience. Uh, I do, I do remember that. I, I sat with uh, Les Carpenter, the uh, former Seattle Times writer who now lives in D.C. and. Uh, and watch the game with him. I do remember that. And you'll get to see the great uh, Jerry Brewer, I yeah, assume. Jerry Tuesday. Brewer, yes. I'll see him, angry Todd Dibus, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, Aaron Hawksworth, some of the old Seattle people out there. You know, it's, it'll, I'm, I'm excited to get to – I love D.C. D.C.'s a cool city. It really is, and I'm, I'm excited to go there. But anyway. Yeah, my daughter, uh, my daughter graduated from Georgetown, my oldest daughter, so I spent a lot of time uh, in D.C. during those years and really love it. Yes, you're, you're smart children. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, well, speaking of smart, so you, we've got we've got th- we'll we'll just do the road trip. I won't include the two at Safeco. So that's it's three plus three plus two. That's eight. What are the Mariners going to go on this road trip? Well, eight. Uh, They're not going to see Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, the- or Rick Porcello. It doesn't sound like. All right, so then I'll I'll, I'll scratch zero and eight and make it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, three and five, Ooh. and that, uh, and I think I'm being a little optimistic there. 
Um, yeah, because I was going to yeah. go two and six, and I thought I was being the homer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Uh, th- th- three. I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and think that their offense is going to get going a little bit with Cano back. But, you know, I, I don't think they're going to have a winning trip. But if, if they go three and five, then they're, they're going to fall to seven games under 500 when they come home. And that's, uh, that's, a, that's a deep, uh, uh, you know, deep hole to climb out of. Yeah, it'll be basically back to where they started from when they, they came off that first road trip to start the season at two and eight, you know. And we won't do the math of playing 600 baseball, uh, <laughs> how long it would take them to get to 500, because that was just absurd trying to do that the last time. <laughs> Yeah, can we just reduce the math altogether, yeah, please? Yeah, um, yeah I, I guess two and six. I just, I don't see how they're going to get out. You know, I mean, yeah, Bergman was great. You really expect him to replicate that again. And certainly, you're you're facing better teams. You're facing better offenses. I, I know that the Red Sox have been up and down, but you, you go to Fenway and goofy things happen in Fenway, uh, you know, no game is ever lost. There's is completely, you know, you ever feel comfortable with a lead because things go wrong. And the same with Coors. I mean, Coors just just wears out a staff, and this isn't a very good staff to begin with. I mean, you got a lot of fly ball pitchers on this team as well, and you're going to a couple parks where fly balls aren't exactly ideal. No, and I mean, what what what, what starting pitcher do you feel good about, like, when the game starts, maybe Miranda right now. Yeah, legitimately, he's their best starting pitcher right now. I think. Yeah, I mean, Gallardo's Gallardo's coming off a stinker, uh, and then you got the who the the three uh, wild card guys, <laughs> grab bag guys. You don't know even know who they're going to be, and, and Miranda and Miranda's. I think is the one who gives you a, the the most feeling of security and confidence, but. You know he's a young pitcher who's still making his mark and making his name. So, um, I mean, he used to at least have, you know, you knew when in the good old days that Felix would give you a strong outing and you had a pretty good chance that uh, that, that Iwakuma would. But they they just don't have that now. And you know that Paxton was like that early in the season, but now he's going to be an injury uh, uh, question mark. So it's you're right. The pitching is is the, they just don't have the arms right now. Uh, it's it's really really bad. All right, so as part of this, we we kind of give people like the the back or the inside stuff about how co- we cover stuff or anything like that. Fenway Park is is great, and we talked about it before. But you have to walk through the crowd. You take an elevator down, you walk through the crowd, which is you're like a salmon swimming swimming upstream. You know, I mean, there's just the upstream being drunken Red Sox fans who just got done singing "Sweet Caroline." Um, but you know you get to the clubhouse but the clubhouse the clubhouse is next level tiny and the mariners are taking all these guys that are injured like felix and paxton so they can do their rehab work so they it's even going to be more tight so one time i don't even know if you're on this trip or not i I can't remember i mean i know you used to do some trips with jeff who takes some time off i can't remember which one but we were he, in, he he did not like to take boston off because that was one of his favorite cities yeah and that's probably why yeah um so we were we were in there, and I think it was 2009. It was it 2008? 2008, maybe. One of those times when Lee Elia was the assistant hitting coach. And if, for those that don't know Lee Elia, he, he's former Cubs manager. He had a famous rant about Cubs fans that don't have jobs and could go to all these day games. Um, but he was he is a large human. 
you know, maybe five foot ten, but a good two seventy. Uh, and he is one of the hairiest human beings I've ever seen. <laughs> Why do I know this? Because I'm in Fenway and it's crowded and the coaches and a naked Lee Elia runs into me and kind of falls into me and bumps into me just completely. I was like, he goes, hey, sorry, kid. I can't find the towels. You're just going to have to endure this. And um, to say that I was a mentally scarred by a grizzly bear of a human being being naked and rubbing up against me was not exactly what I enjoyed by any means. When, and our job is so glamorous, people think, too. <laughs> I do your job for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I can... I could envision that. That clubhouse. There's three or four. The old, old Tiger Stadium. I don't know if you ever covered a no. game there. But I mean that that was like the, the the visiting locker room was like a was like a closet. And Wrigley Field Oh yeah, uh, it still it, is. Before the, it still is it's even better than it used to be. They they have renovated it and made it bigger. And and Fenway. Those 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 three uh are just totally ridiculous. You don't even want to go in there unless you have work, something specific to do. You know, imagine that during the postseason when the Mariners. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, I guess. They, I don't really have to worry about that. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. I covered the I Mariners. Covered, yeah. I covered some uh, way way back in another lifetime. I covered uh, A's against uh, the Red Sox in the ALCS, and. Uh, you know, with a national uh, media core having to 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 uh, go into that lock, that tiny locker room, and cram in there, it was it was just absolutely uh, untenable. But you know, you make it work because you have to. You, you know, they actually do that NFL uh, visitors clubhouses. I mean, not to go off subject, but you've been in them. Um, the, even the Seahawks visitors locker room is really tiny, and these are large humans, and there's. 50-some guys on an NFL team, and they cram all these guys in there. I mean, the Seahawks' home locker room was huge, but, like, the the other one is just tiny. You go in there, and it's just shoulder pads and nastiness and just blood. Oh, it's it's not a it's not a good place to be at any point. I once saw – well, I didn't see – yeah, I once saw or heard Darnell Dockett. It was, it was a – Arizona Cardinals game. Darnell Dock and a teammate got into a fight naked in the showers, and they were <laughs> fighting. And there are all these football players come running in to try and break it up, and towels and stuff like that. And there's helmets flying. Oh, it was craziness! It took like it took like ten guys to break that fight up too. And I'm just and I just remember I was looking at a couple of the other reporters and go, "Well, this is interesting." <laughs> well, the well, the Seahawks the last two years have had their season end on the road, uh, Carolina and Atlanta. And both times there were like screaming matches uh, in the in the losing Seahawk locker room. And oh, yes. I think a lot of it was just the the, uh, the cramped quarters, just kind of everybody rubbing up against everyone and the media is like tripping over players and themselves and equipment. And it's just an awful situation. I think that led to, to some of the tension uh both on both those occasions. Yeah, everyone is physically uncomfortable, and it's just not enjoyable. Yeah, no, I know it. Uh, but at least uh, you know most modern stadiums now in baseball, the visiting clubhouses are are very workable. You know, even in uh, at you know the one at Safeco, it's big enough to that you can operate in. And uh, um, but but Fenway. Which you're where you're going? Uh, 
is not one of them. I mean, I love that ballpark. Wrigley and Fenway are two. Uh, Fenway's my or Wrigley's my all-time favorite, and Fenway's in the top five. Uh, but the working conditions when you're on the road are just not good. Yeah, everything up. Well, everything about like the city of Chicago and Boston, and even everything around the park is great. It's just once you enter the park from a working standpoint. Now, if you're a fan, it's great. I mean, there's some obnoxiousness you got to deal with, but it's it's still it's still a good time. Uh, and even actually, Coors Field. I, I know you've been there. I, I really love Coors Field. I love the whole. They call it Lodo, Lower Downtown. Um, they they have. It, it's just a really cool setup. There's a tons of, and I always say this bars, but there's tons of like brew pubs, like breweries and breweries and brew pubs and restaurants and all these stuff. It's very walkable downtown. And it stays open after the game, unlike Soto, where Henry's closes at 11:30. But it stays open after the game, and and people congregate there. And it, it really is a cool area. And I, I know you're going to be stunned by this, Larry, but they have a baseball field a football stadium, and a basketball <laughs> arena all in one kind of large area in the downtown area. And it seems to work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. That's one of my favorite places to go. And uh, I always have wondered why that such a such a such uh, an area never developed around Safeco. Um, you know, I think there's an audience that would have, that would go out and do restaurants and, and bars after the game and everything, but you know, there's hardly anything open around there. Yeah, and, uh, which, and it's, it's which, not run very well at times either. I might add. <laughs> no, I think you can uh, safely say that. Yeah, no. Basically, if you if you want to have a beer after the game and around safely, you have to go to Hooverville or you have to walk all the way down into Pioneer Square, which is not ideal. And don't go to Hooverville. That's where I go. I don't want to see people there. I like I like my hideouts. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't know about that. Now I've reached the stage of my life where I just head on. I just head straight home. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's called. You'll, you'll get there one day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else? Anything you? Uh, I don't think so. I uh, we'll save it for next time. We we've uh, I think we've gone long enough. Yes. Yes. Well, it's not as long as usual. I will say this. <laughs> I I looked today. At, well, I was standing there post game. Scott Service looks like a tired and weathered, you know, like, you know, like they see, you see politicians after a few years in office, it ages them. This little run of transactions, and I mean, I, I don't even know, I think they're at 75 or 80 transactions already. He really, Scott really just looks weathered from all of this. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's, he's a second year manager and he's never, this is the most adversity he's gone through. Last year was fairly charmed for the, for him in his first year. Uh, you know, they, they contended. Uh, he pushed the right buttons for the most part, uh, and then now this year, here we are, almost in June, and they're five games under, and they're they're uh, they're the whole team is injured, and you know, bringing guys up and sending them down on a daily basis. Uh, you know, it, that's not easy for a for a veteran manager. That wouldn't be easy for Mike Sosha for a second year manager. Who's still trying to prove himself? Uh, it, it's it's not good. I think he's held up pretty well. He's still, you know, he's still amiable to us and uh, hasn't shown signs. I mean, he said that he his goal is to keep the game fun for the team while they're going through this and make it a fun fun to come to the ballpark. But you know, this is a time where that, that it's a delicate. We, we mentioned it's kind of a crisis point, but it's also a delicate point in the season for morale and 
finger pointing and that sort of thing. You know, you're in danger of that once you start losing and you may start making mistakes. And you kind of alluded to it with Vogelbach where teammates, you know, the teammates start to notice defensive mistakes like that. He, he, service is going to have to do some, some pretty fancy work here to keep, uh, to keep the team together right now. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I will let you go. It's Sunday night, so I don't want to keep you up too late. And I have to fly <laughs> out in like six hours. So. All right. Well, have uh, safe travels and uh, have, have fun and say hi to Jerry for me. I will. Again for listening to the, to the Extra Innings podcast. Thanks to Larry Stone, our kind of weekly guest. I swear we'll branch out. I I do think that we got the the audio fixed a little bit on this. I, I got Larry some technology and had to sign him up for a regular Skype account. Uh, these are the things I do. Uh, thanks to Midnight Salvage Company, the official house band of the Extra Innings podcast. My buddy Brayson sent some MP3s in. I use them for the bumper music that we have. I guess if you really have a band or you have some musical talent, uh, send me some MP3s and and I'll use you as as some of that lead-in work. Um, and if as always, if you need to get a hold of me, my email address is rdivish at Seattle Times, and you can also hit me up on Twitter at Ryan Divish. I do have a personal Facebook page under my name. Uh, they made a sign up a few years ago. I do try and post some stuff over there, but I'm not probably as active as I should be. But again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.